Hey there, it's your career insider, Cindy Thomas. Welcome to season three of the Insiders Career Club podcast, where industry professionals share the inside, they've got that in air quotes, scoop on their careers. Listeners know that I'm an HR career professional who's been in TA for over 25 years. But did you also know that I coach clients and help them plan and grow their careers, manage career transitions, help refine your interviewing skills, or I can help you work on a job search strategy. Now, have you been passed over for a promotion or a raise? Maybe you're frustrated because you're interviewing but not getting the job offer. If that's happened to you, let me help you get back on track. Sign up for a free coaching call today with me at insiderscareerclub.com. Remember, it's possible for you to have a great and a fulfilling career. Let's get you the career you deserve. Now, don't go anywhere. Up next is a great podcast. Stay tuned. Christian Espinosa is the founder and CEO of Alpine Security, a white hat hacker, a certified high performance coach, a professor, lover of heavy metal music and spicy food. He's also an Air Force veteran and Ironman triathlete. No slouch there, huh? He used to value being the smartest person in the room, only to realize that his greatest contribution to leadership and the fight against cybercrime is his ability to bring his awareness to the issue through effective communication. He's a speaker, coach, and trainer in the secure methodology, helping to make the smartest people in the room the best leaders in the field. Let's talk about crime, cybercrime, and welcome him into the show. Christian, I am so pleased to have you on the show today. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Cindy. I'm very pleased to be on the show as well. Wonderful. Well, I know you've got some great information to share with us. So let's just start off with a little bit about yourself. Tell us where you grew up. I grew up in Riverside, California until oh. I was 12. That's like a suburb of LA, basically. Yeah, I've heard of it. I'm in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's nice there. But then I moved to Arkansas, <laughs> a town called Knoxville, with a population of 800. Quite the culture shock going from you know, a, a major big city in California to a small town in Arkansas with humidity and all that in fifth grade. I actually got like all F's in fifth grade in Arkansas because I was so bored because the, the curriculum was like three grades behind California, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I remember changing the F's to B's on my report card so my, my mother wouldn't think I got F's. <laughs> oh, funny. But did you get caught up? I mean, did they catch up with your F's to B's later? I caught up. Yeah, I graduated number two in my class in high school and, you know, got scholarships to the Air Force Academy as well to college. It was in the military for a while as well. Uh Okay. All right. I know you've had a very interesting career. Right now, you're the founder and CEO of Alpine Security, but you've also been a cybersecurity engineer, a certified, or you are a certified high performance coach and a professor. How many of those roles are you performing in right now? I sold Alpine Security in December of 2020 to uh, Cerberus Sentinel. They're a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. 
Okay. And I stayed with them uh, until June of this year, and I left the parent company in June. So okay. right now, I, I started another cybersecurity company. Uh, it's referral only. So if I get you know interest, I have a, a platform to um, support my clients. And I'm working on my second book and doing some real estate investing. I still use my high-performance coaching. I'm not actively doing coaching right now with clients, but mm-hmm. the skills with high-performance coaching you know, help me uh, and I think help my interactions with other people as well. I'm no longer teaching as a professor. I stopped doing that about a year ago or so. Yeah. And I've been thinking about get, getting back into that. I like training people if, as long as they're passionate about what they're learning. If they just want to check a box to get a job, I'm not that interested in, in training them. So, yeah. Yeah. It's much more fun if you don't have to drag somebody along, right? Right. <laughs> I used to be a teacher, so I do understand that piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So share with us why you chose cybersecurity as your career focus. I was in the military for in the Air Force for about six years. I did information assurance, you know, protecting secret data. And I did mm. some IT. And I thought, you know, based on where I saw the world headed, and this was like in the early 90s, that wow. cybersecurity would be like the next thing to worry about. So I mm-hmm. decided to focus on that. And specifically what interested me about it back then was doing penetration testing or being paid to break into someone's environment. I was really interested in that. And I did that for the majority of my career, which is very challenging, can create a little um, anxiety, you know, if you're physically trying to break into somewhere without getting caught. So I, I found all that very exciting and interesting. That's why I focused on it, really. I, I think okay. also with my company, Alpine Security, one of the things that I am passionate about is protecting our advances in healthcare, like with medical devices, for instance, that's one of the things we focused on. There's a lot of advances in healthcare and a lot of advances with great medical devices, but there's also mm-hmm. a lot of threats against those medical devices. And the average yes. person on a hospital bed is connected to like 14 devices. So I would hate that all these advances we have to be kind of rolled back because of attackers breaking into like a drug infusion pump and killing somebody or a pacemaker mm-hmm. and killing somebody. So it's very tangible in the medical device space. It, it means something to me. I don't want like my loved one that's connected to a medical device to die because some attacker compromised the device. So it's similar to a police detective changing his mind to think like a criminal. And you also have to have the mindset of always thinking about how an outsider might try to breach the company's information system. Is that correct? That's a correct statement. And that's majority of what I did and what my company did was penetration testing or thinking like a criminal in order to break into an environment ethically and then tell the client how we got in and how they can fix the holes. So if a real cyber criminal tried to break in, we would have already fixed the mm-hmm. the ways that they could have got in. Okay. And so what about that particular work was so fulfilling to you? Was it the combination of both tech and just... The technical challenge as well as the creativity, because a lot of the penetration testing we did involved a social engineering component where mm-hmm. we were allowed to come up with some sort of campaign to try to trick somebody into clicking on a link or giving us their password and username or a combination to something or to put a thumb drive into a, a system. And the creativity in thinking through like, you know, human behavior and what would cause someone to do a certain thing combined with the, the challenges of it all and the risk, you know, there's a risk of getting caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so fortunately we have, you know, if you're doing it ethically, you, you don't go to jail. So you have the, the get out of jail 
free card, you got the authorization. But you know, if you get caught, then the, the exercise is over typically. So it's it's a combination of all that, really. So let me ask you a question. So you're you're talking about the risk of getting caught when a big breach has happened. They're not always sure how it happened. It takes time to figure it out. And a lot of times they don't figure it out. So it's not as easy as it used to be, is my understanding of being able to trace back and find who has hacked your system. Is that true of today's technology? We've gotten better at that in cybersecurity, but attribution is definitely the challenge and placing a subject behind the keyboard specifically is a challenge. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I'm an attacker, I'm not going to attack you directly. I'm going to go through, ideally, several different countries that don't like each other by a compromising systems in each of those countries. So then you have this jurisdiction issues as well. Uh-huh. When one country was attacked, like if I attack you from the U.S., but I'm actually go through Russia and, and Germany and Iceland, let's say, and uh, I'm attacking somebody else in the U.S. It looks like the attack came from Iceland. So we have to work with Iceland to trace it back to Germany, to trace it back to Russia, to trace it back to the U.S., and you know, all these countries don't like to share information very mm-hmm. well. So it makes it difficult to find actually who did the attack. Okay. Because your information sources are limited just from the perspective that these different countries don't want to share the information that they have. Yeah. Yeah. That's one way of doing it. And then the other challenge is insurance uh, providers now are kind of changing their tune. So they don't want to pay out with cyber insurance. So what their default now is that it's an act of war. And the way they, they claim that is if you're in the U.S. And, and someone from Russia does a cyber attack against you, then they're going to claim that that's an act of war and they don't have to pay out the insurance. So the you know it's up to you to basically counter what the insurance company is saying and, and find out that the attack actually came from someone next door in the U.S. You know, So there's a lot of different things going on today to make this much more challenging. Mm-hmm. So the burden of proof ends up being on the client rather than the company that's insuring them. Right. Because, of course, insurance providers don't want to pay. If they don't have of course to. they're not. They're unscrupulous that way. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they just want to collect your money. <laughs> so if someone was listening to you and they said to themselves, you know, that kind of sounds like something I might want to do. What are the personal attributes or talents that someone needs to be able to do well? in a cybersecurity role? And what kinds of roles are there? Because I know there's more than just a cybersecurity engineer. There's got to be different levels, right? There's a lot of different roles in cybersecurity. And I typically tell people to understand their personality. You can go to like 16personalities.com and get an idea of what your personality type is like. Because if you want to do penetration testing, that requires consistent learning, consistent persistence, often banging your head against the wall, 999 times and the, the thousand time you get into the environment, it requires a, a certain type of mindset. Mm-hmm. And that's just one thing in cybersecurity. There's, there's also digital forensics where you actually track down the cyber criminal and help the FBI and, and different government agencies. You know, there's also auditing, which is a different personality type where mm-hmm. you don't have to necessarily be as technical, but you have to have a compliance type of mindset, you know, color in the lines, you know, mm-hmm. with pen- penetration testing, we don't want to color in the lines. So there's a lot of options and it depends on your personality. And I think it's important to make sure that you understand your personality and you align your career path with your strengths and play to what, what you're naturally good at. Yeah, I think that's true for for most things. And either people don't know themselves well or they just don't recognize where they have talent. And if they're talented, sometimes they just don't feel that whatever particular talent 
that they have is valued because it's easy for them. That's where they need the help of a coach, right? And but, yeah, that's, that's a very good point. We often think, oh, this is so easy for me that mm-hmm. no one's going to value this. But what might be easy for you may not be easy for somebody else. So it's Absolutely. definitely value. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You have to be able to see the value that you can bring. When you think over your career, is there an instance that you would say was a career defining moment for you? There's been a lot of career defining moments. I would say one of the major instances is when I was working as a vice president for a cybersecurity company, a commercial cybersecurity company. Mm-hmm. And I had this consistent run in with a CEO where we headbutt a lot and had some disagreements on things. And it caused a lot of anxiety for me and a lot of dread doing the job. And I just felt misaligned and incongruent. So I ended up quitting that job without having another job lined up. It got to the point where I thought my mental sanity and my emotional stability are worth more than than any amount of money they would have paid me. But Mm -hmm. that was a defining moment because when I quit that job, it was the first time I quit a job without having another like nine to five job lined up. And what I decided to do was, was focus on freelance work and leverage my contacts. So it was sort of like the stepping stone for me to, with a kick in the butt, go do what I really wanted to do, which was freelance work. I did that for about five years. And then I started my company, Alpine Security. So that was that moment that kind of pushed me in the direction I always really wanted to go, I think, at a subconscious right. level. Yeah. And sometimes you just need the either the kick in the butt or the <laughs> something pushes you towards that. And I, I do feel most times that individuals are... We're not catching the signals that the universe is sending us that is trying to make us change a job, you know, before we get to that point where we're going to quit. Something happens and we don't look at it 360 to see what might be the opportunity in that challenge at that time. And you realize it later, like you do, and I have my own, you know, where you look like you go, oh, that really was a blessing in that. (laughs) Right. It doesn't feel like a blessing. So what are some of the personal challenges that you have had to deal with either in your business or maybe even in that VP role as uh, the information technology piece of the company or department that you had to deal with that, that really caused you to grow? The major personal challenges I had were when I was running my company, Alpine Security. I was the CEO and the founder and I didn't have any investors. So it was all on me. 99.9%, I would say, of the problems we had were not a lack of my staff's technical skills or IQ, rational intelligence, or a lack of our process. It was a a lack of people skills. Mm -hmm. And my staff was making clients not feel understood or not feel appreciated, communicating over their heads, not collaborating well internally for fear of being ridiculed. So there's a lot of things like that going on. And it really made me shift the focus of my company from just technical, hiring people for just their technical aptitude to implementing people skills and EQ, emotional intelligence. So I worked for many years in my company to develop that with my already super high IQ staff. Mm-hmm. And I ended up writing my book about that journey, The Smartest Person in the Room, which is about what worked in my company to bring people with a high IQ to add that EQ or emotional intelligence to yeah. the already high IQ. Because I think a lot of people in industries like cybersecurity are brilliant, but we sort of accepted the fact that it's okay, or we tolerated that they don't have any people skills, but I believe that's really holding us back and holding them. Mm-hmm. There's a glass ceiling mm-hmm. 
over mm-hmm. the industry and over the people that don't develop the people skills. How did you turn that around for your team? What kinds of things did you do with them? A lot of things. Uh, every Thursday, for instance, we had an hour block of training where we did training on communication, training on building rapport, neurolinguistic programming, like different aspects of the presuppositions in there, like how people are doing the best they can with the resources they have. People have different mm-hmm. models of the world, emotional intelligence training, a lot of assessments on what motivates each of us and how our personality types are and how we should alter our communication when we're talking to somebody that's a little bit different than us. And just a lot of things along those lines. And I even had some you know, outside experts come in and do training on things as well, like mm-hmm. emotional intelligence. So, and then when I got my current staff aligned and I also established core values that I, I believe in, and I started hiring people based on the core values and their people skills first, before I ever right. looked at their technical skills. In the past, it was purely the technical skills. Right. That's the best way to do it. <laughs> I didn't start out. I didn't start out that way. Well, you know, we always think that the technical piece, the knowledge piece is the strongest piece that we need. But if you can't, you know, and it's a given, if, if someone's gone through a program, they pretty much have the basics of something. Mm-hmm. But the things that you that you can't really always teach to someone are the other things that, you know, the, the ability to want to care about your client and, you right. know, want to help them, you know, to have that mentality of serving someone else. Not everybody has that. So, yeah, it's, it's got to be part of your personality because it's it's not always something that you can teach. You can teach it to them, but whether or not they get it and they actually translate it into the things that they do on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. that's a whole different ball of wax there. <laughs> yeah, they have to have a growth mindset and want to learn the people skills. Otherwise, you're not going to have much success teaching them. <laughs> no, and then that's true. What are some of the biggest issues businesses face today with cybersecurity? Really a lack of understanding of the true risk and a lack of understanding that they may be a target, especially small to medium-sized businesses. I often hear the owners say, well, we're, we're too small to be a target. But th- the opposite is actually true because a lot of the larger businesses have a relatively mature cybersecurity posture, where small to medium businesses do not. And if they're attacked with ransomware or something that takes their systems offline or their client mm-hmm. records are stolen, the fees are an average, I think, of $250 per record. So if you have 10,000 records stolen, that's, I think, $2.5 million. That's a big amount for a small business to have to deal with, especially now that the cyber insurance providers are are kind of balking at covering things. And that breach and the amount associated with it can take a business out of business. And I've seen yeah. that happen a lot, especially small medical practices that have a lot of client data that was stolen. Are the cyber criminal threats coming from everywhere? Is there, is there a, you know, are they are they coming from, you know, Russia? Are they coming from Africa? Where are they coming from? They're coming from a lot of different places. I mean, we could probably narrow it down to like China, you know, is, is interested in stealing our intellectual property, getting into government secrets, North Korea as well. Russia is, is more interested, you know, criminals from Russia and other countries are more interested in cybercrime to make money. Because a lot of the traditional criminals have now gone to cybercrime because they, they're no longer limited to their neighborhood. They can do it across the world. Hmm. And the likelihood of getting caught is a, less, a lot less than you know, traditional crime. Let's switch over to when you were working with technical leaders. 
How did you help them improve their leadership skills with your Secure Methodology program? I wrote this, the Secure Methodology program at seven steps, really overarching steps. I focused that on technical leaders because I think they all face similar challenges to what I faced in my organization. And the awareness and the tools, I think, are important. A lot of us are promoted to a leadership position and just magically we're supposed to know how to lead people. And yeah. that, that doesn't happen. You know, if you're a great technician, it doesn't mean you're going to be a great leader. So right. I've tried to provide a framework to help people in the, in the technical leadership roles get better at leading themselves. Cause I think leadership starts mm-hmm. with self-leadership mm-hmm. and then get better at leading their team. And that that's what those seven steps are. And each step oh, okay. in, in my book, I have a couple different activities to, to make them tangible. Okay. Let's go back, switch back to the onesie twosie personal level. What can individuals on a personal level do to ensure they're not falling victim to cybercrime? The number one thing they can do is enable multi-factor authentication on everything. So that means, you know, if you log on to something, it asks you either via a text message message or an authenticator app for a second mm-hmm. form of authentication. That way, if the cyber criminal takes your password or steals your password, they can't. They still can't get into your your system without having your phone as well. So I think that mm-hmm. is number one. The second thing is to patch all your systems and your applications on a routine basis. Don't wait uh, and keep postponing patches because a patch typically fixes a vulnerability. If there's no vulnerability, are there less vulnerabilities, it's less likely a criminal will get in. That combined with the multi-factor authentication will greatly enhance people's security. Okay, thank you. But if someone wanted to learn more about getting into cybersecurity, where would you advise they go to learn more? There's some free resources on like cybrary.it. There's some free classes. I think it's good to get an overview. I also think if you're interested in cybersecurity, there's some people on LinkedIn that I'm connected with that are very good to follow that are trying to help people get into the industry because there's a lot of gatekeepers out there trying to keep people out of the industry for some reason. The combination of like the free classes like on that have an overview of different topics like on cybrary and then following people on LinkedIn that are giving free career advice or kind of opening the door or willing to mentor people in cybersecurity is important. Okay. So you want to tell us a little bit about the first book that you've written and maybe a little bit about what the second one's about? Yeah. My first book, The Smartest Person in the Room, is about the challenge I mentioned with my cybersecurity staff having the high IQ without the emotional intelligence. I mean, I had one of my engineers told me that the client just didn't get it. Uh, And what the client didn't get was the results of one of our penetration tests. And I thought, if the client doesn't get it, how are we going to make them more secure? The client needs to get it. And that was sort of a defining moment for me. I wrote the book on what worked for my company. And I have seven steps in there. They seem like common sense, but, you know, common sense is always common practice. And they seem simple, but simple is always easy, I should say. You know, the first one's awareness. I talk about Mm -hmm. how we all have blind spots and how we all have these programs that run based on a trigger and it's important if we have a program or a habit that runs to be able to stop it and basically run a different one that serves us. Okay. I talk about mindset in a growth mindset. We are capable of learning more than we think we are, but we have to have the right mindset. Mm-hmm. I talk about acknowledgement from a leadership perspective. One of the things I had challenges with that I didn't acknowledge myself, I'd finish like an Ironman triathlon, the world championship in like 2015, for instance, and I would just be on to the next thing and not even take a moment to like, hey, this is pretty cool. I did a lot of work to get here. And I realized that I couldn't 
if I didn't acknowledge myself, I wouldn't acknowledge my staff. Um, right. Step four is communication. I'm a believer that the meaning of communication is the response you get. In cybersecurity, people always complain that the users don't understand, management doesn't understand, we're not getting the budget from the board of directors. And when you have the mindset that the meaning of communication is the response you get, that shifts the ownership back on you to alter how you communicate. And then step five is monotasking. I am a believer that uh, we should do focused work, not multitask. I think multitasking is a, a waste of time and it also inhibits presence. It's hard to be present with someone if you're on your phone and doing several things at once mm-hmm. or thinking about something else, which inhibits your communication. Right. And with monotasking, your productivity will go up like, I would say at least 10 times. You're, you're productive and not just busy like you're with multitasking. Mm-hmm. And then step six is empathy. Uh, I think in today's world, there's a lot of focus on division and how we're all different. We have politics and stances on vaccines and everything else we're constantly inundated with, where we kind of forget underlying all that. We're all humans and we have a lot of the, the same conditions in common. And when you strip away all these, quote, differences that I think are constantly pushed at us, it's easier to be empathetic. Step seven is Kaizen. Kaizen is a Japanese word that means constant and never-ending improvement with any of these steps. And with life in general, sometimes if we just have the attitude that I'm going to take the first step with the idea, I'm probably not going to get it right. But as long as I keep making improvements, mm-hmm. I'll get better at specific skill. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that those are the seven steps. And that's what I write about in the book. Mm-hmm. Very nice. How can people find you if they wanted to reach out to you? My website, christianespinoza.com is the best way. I'm also on all social media platforms, even even TikTok. I just joined TikTok recently. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how big a following I have on TikTok. But <laughs> I was told I have to be on TikTok. So I'm on TikTok. Yeah, I, I ignore TikTok. I don't do Twitter. <laughs> I'm just LinkedIn and Instagram and uh, a little bit of Facebook. And that's about yeah. it. <laughs> Those are the big ones, I think. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Christian, it's been delightful speaking to you. Thank you for sharing so much with us about your career and the things that you've done. I mean, you've had a very interesting career. I mean, if anybody's remotely thinking about cybersecurity, I think you've given them some good advice. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me on the podcast, Cindy. Oh, I was very happy to have you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening, and your support's a blessing. If you enjoyed the podcast, give us a positive rating on Apple. It will help our podcast ranking on all the major sites like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. We release new podcasts every two weeks on the first and third Wednesdays. Now your support is needed. Keep listening and share these career-changing podcasts with your friends, your family, your co-workers, and anyone else you feel it will bless. In addition to the major sites, they can also find these podcasts on my website at insiderscareerclub.com. Now, if you're not happy with your career, let me help you. I can help you get your career on track. Sign up for a free coaching call with me today. Before you go, let's speak victory over you. You have a bright future. Good breaks are looking for you and new doors are about to swing wide open with opportunity. Believe it. Until next time, take care.